This is an ABC podcast. Imagine you're applying for a job. You're asked a few questions and you have a conversation online. But it's not with a human. It's with a chatbot. How would you feel? Possibly relaxed, maybe even a little bit more confident, more likely to apply for that job if there's no intimidating interview panel? Probably. AI is increasingly being used in recruitment and it's being employed to make the hiring process more efficient, less daunting and some argue free from bias. So how does it really stack up? Hello, I'm Lisa Leong and today on This Working Life we're talking about the applications of AI in recruitment now and into the future. To hear more about what's happening in the world of recruitment, I'm with Charles Cameron, He's CEO of the Recruitment, Consulting and Staffing Association. So, Charles, what are some of the big issues facing recruitment right now? Certainly accessing talent is uh, clearly one of the largest issues for our members at the moment. So we have around about 1,000 corporations operating across Australia and New Zealand and accessing uh, talent given the uh, immigration settings that have come post-COVID. One of the other key issues as well is working with procurement to make sure that the way in which the services of recruitment and staffing firms align with good ethical conduct as well. So generally speaking, we're seeing circumstances where just because there is the capacity to do something doesn't mean that you should do something. And I think this equally applies to the world of the provision of staffing and also the technology we use as well. And how can AI help with all of this? So one of the things that our industry and our members are challenged with is trying to do business at a lower cost uh, and in faster time. So AI, of course, can be utilised to increase the efficiency, so less reliance upon human beings, which can, of course, be more costly. So it also means that it can be nuanced, the service can be nuanced to meet the needs of the individual and the data that can be collected can also be used to improve the experience of clients and candidates as well. But one of the things we're very keen to do is to differentiate between what might be described as automation of process and true artificial intelligence, where there is the replication of the capacity to make human decisions. And we really feel that mostly at the moment in the recruitment and staffing field, we're really seeing automation and probably machine learning rather than genuine artificial intelligence, but it's not far away. And so how specifically would AI be used in recruitment? Certainly processing information that comes in on behalf of candidates and potentially clients as well. So reviewing resumes and understanding what are the qualifications, uh, what's the background, that's certainly something that is being used. We're also seeing a movement towards having artificial intelligence interviews. So again, anything where we can try and remove the reliance upon humans, and purely this is driven by cost, there is a contemplation of how AI can be used for that. And we're even seeing it used in other ways, which is trying to examine and align culture fit. But each of these, of course, are only as good as we can remove some of the biases that might be built into AI by virtue of human bias and also what we might describe as data bias as well. So they're three simple examples of how we're seeing automation and also a movement towards artificial intelligence being used in the recruitment and staffing sector. 
So that's from the recruiter's perspective. But what about job applicants and candidates? Professor Andreas Leibrandt from the Department of Economics at Monash University is researching AI in recruitment and the candidate's experience using predictive hire technology. We identified a causal impact of using AI in recruitment on the willingness to go through with an application and to which extent this depends on your gender and your ethnicity. And what did you find? A really stunning finding. I mean, it's probably the last five years I haven't seen such clear findings than I saw in this particular research. So we do observe that uh, we advertise jobs for a tech job, some clearly male-dominated job. And we randomized um, whether applicants went through a traditional recruitment process or one with AI. And we observed that those that go through the treatment with AI, that women feel much more encouraged to go through the process and actually apply for this job as compared to uh, the traditional recruitment process. So we sort of can see that we that AI nudged in women to go through the process and we asked also questions and it appears that women think they have a better shot at actually getting the job once AI is embedded in the recruitment process. Were you surprised? Yes, I was surprised. I was surprised of the magnitude of the effect. And a priori, it isn't clear whether AI will encourage minorities to apply or not. So when we started with this research, one concern, for instance, that we had is that in the press, there's lots of articles about AI and how it may be biased, and this may have an impact on user experience. But we didn't observe that. So we really observed the positive impact of artificial intelligence in the recruitment space. One of the other interesting findings is why it, why it encouraged women to go through the application process for this male-dominated job. It actually discouraged men to go through with the application. Do you know why that was? Yes, so we asked the, the applicants or those who didn't go through with the application, and they feared that there would be discrimination against them being um, dominant in that profession. In another piece of research, we're looking at candidates' probability to reapply for a different job in the same organization. And we do observe that in many environments, women are much less likely to reapply. And I believe that the candidate feedback could be something to overcome this gender gap in reapplying for different positions at the same organization. And it's actually uh, research that we are about to start and venture on. Barb Hyman is the CEO of Predictive Hire. She says her focus is to make the process of job applications less stressful and intimidating. And apologies for the sound quality here. Ironically, try as we might, we couldn't get the recording technology to work and had to revert to the age-old phone call. It's a big myth that people don't want AI. People don't think about it like that. What they want is to apply for a job in their own time, to feel really safe and unstressed and comfortable doing that, Um, hopefully to do it blind because, you know, I think that's why we need AI, particularly in hiring and in all people decisions because not everyone is going to feel comfortable with an interview face-to-face. You know, what we've seen is people who are coming from First Nations, people with disabilities, people who are introverted, they want to apply for a job blindly. And chat is something we do every day. It feels very comfortable. So you absolutely can see increase in diversity of candidates applying from those groups when you're using a technology that feels human. And I think it also raises this really interesting question of what do we mean by human? Because what I would say is it doesn't mean it's a human. 
technology can be way more human than what a human can be. And, you know, the key reason I think why we all need AI is because for us as people, you know, the greatest algorithm in the world is the one inside our scalp. Um, and it's not very explainable. And that is why we have a world where you have such a narrow pool of people in leadership positions, you know, in positions of power is because of the innate biases that we just cannot be trained out of. So, Bob, I assume the chat you're talking about here is a chatbot. So how does it work? You have a chat. You answer five questions. Mm -hmm. The kind of questions that you would ask if you were interviewing someone, you know, tell us about a time that you faced into something really difficult and what did you learn from that because we're wanting to test her resilience. Tell us about a time that you worked with a team and what you took away from that because you're trying to understand how well they work with teams. You know, all of those life skills that you would wish your, your schools would teach your kids but actually which really come from, you know, a whole lot of living and experience, that's what we're assessing for and the invention we have is the ability to do that in 300 words and, and just five questions and the best thing is it's not timed, so there's no pressure. There's no video. You don't have to do hair and makeup. You can do it at midnight if you want, and everyone gets feedback. So it's it's kind of ended that awful experience for many candidates of being ghosted. Uh, and that's the difference between a smart chatbot and a, and a regular chatbot. It, it actually understands who you are from that language. And who or what is making the assessment? Well, it's a machine. And I think just to remind everyone that a machine is not a sentient being. You know, I think people imagine AI as Terminator, but it's much more like (laughs) her, if you've seen that movie. It's a machine that has been fed with a whole lot of data. In this case, it's language data. So responses to a structured interview that we've collected over time and basically built IP, that means that we can understand your level of humility or drive or extroversion or accountability from your responses, much like you do as a human, but the machine is doing it, you know, 24-7. About uh, every 20 seconds, the machine, we call it FI, um, is having a conversation with someone around 47 countries. So it's processing that response real time. And so for a candidate, you know, they're done within... 20 minutes and they should know ideally within an hour or so whether they are successful with the role and for an organisation, you know, they're not having to schedule interviews, they're relying on the match score and the profile that we've shared with the candidate and they can make a very quick quick decision. You mentioned the candidate gets some feedback. What type of insights can you get? So this is where I think we're quite unique in our product, which is, you know, what does it mean to be human? I've had many psychometric tests where I have to have an org psych, you know, decode it for me. And really what everyone wants is just a a kind of a moment in learning, a, a moment of learning. So we wrote the feedback aligned to uh, someone's profile. It's called Hexaco. It's a well-known framework for selecting people uh, based on a personality profile. But whether or not you're high or low on one uh, dimension, so that could be extroversion or humility or agreeableness, etc., um, we then give you a coaching tip. And it's a coaching tip that really we wrote um, based on if I was coaching you, Lisa, and you know I was your footy coach or your netball coach, how would I express it to you? And the way in which we've written it has just really touched something with candidates that the feedback they get back, 98% of people say, this makes me feel more motivated, more confident, more self-aware. So, you know, I like to think we're raising the collective self-awareness of humanity with our technology. Um, And I think that's a good thing for all of us because what's clear is most people don't know this about themselves. 
you know, they haven't had that coaching and that feedback. And, you know, that's a really powerful part of the candidate experience. It's why Woolworths in a big way went with our technology as well as the ethical science was because they wanted every one of the million people who apply for a job to feel great and still love the brand, even if, you know, only 20, 30,000 ended up with a job. One of the arguments for using AI in recruitment is that as humans, we have unconscious bias and this can impact who we pick out of a stack of applications, but that AI doesn't have these biases, or at least not to the same degree. This is called algorithmic bias. AI researcher Andreas Librandt can explain. So often when we talk about algorithmic bias, we are concerned about the people who construct the algorithm being biased themselves. I think the other end is really important as well and where we need to do a lot of research. That's the interface between the AI and the human. Because rarely recruitment is fully determined by the software, right? There is always a human, not always, but most of the times a human element in there that then partly relies on the AI information given. So we have also conducted a research where we look at this, where we hired recruitment managers and give them information about the AI score or don't give them information about the AI score and vary to the extent to which they are aware of the gender of the candidate. This is, again, in a male-dominated STEM field. And when we look at the different samples, we observe that there is a gender bias against women and when recruiters are aware of the gender of the applicant. When we give information on the AI score in that case, in addition, this gender bias can be removed um, because the AI detects in itself that qualifications are similar for that particular position. And in that case, the recruiters use that as a point of reference and that in the end helps to a less biased assessment. So I do think we need a lot more research and a lot more focus on the interface between AI and the human decision. I also believe that going back to the algorithm, What frustrates me as a researcher, and I guess frustrates a lot of people, is the lack of transparency on the algorithm. We don't really know how the algorithm works. That's a problem. And it's a problem that is probably more problematic for underrepresented minorities. So there's a body of research indicating that underrepresented minorities shy away from environments where there's a high level of uncertainty high level of uncertainty about the job environment, high level of uncertainty about elements of the workplace and about the application process. So I worry a little bit about AI being a black box and minorities shying away from it just because of that. So I'd, I'd encourage AI designers and researchers to work together and revealing some of the main elements of the algorithm and then work together and finding ways to, to make sure that the algorithm doesn't pick up in one way or another, biases. And it's hoped that with fewer or no biases that employers will hire a more diverse workforce. Barb Hyman saw this happen with one of Predictive Hire's clients. We work with organisations around the world. One of them is a business called Woody's in Ireland. Think of them like the Bunnings of Ireland. Very committed to diversity and inclusion and they could see that they were not um, hiring enough ethnically diverse talent And so they introduced our technology right from the outset. So candidates don't submit a CV. They have a short conversation with FI. And off the back of that, the store managers are then looking at, um, from top to bottom, the best candidates who were representative of the community that they were drawing them from. 
um, to maximise, you know, obviously diversity in store. And they saw a 30% increase in ethnic and female hiring in three months, uh, more than what they had achieved in two years of trying through a whole range of diversity initiatives. And I think there's a growing awareness now that, you know, as much as unconscious bias training is probably a good thing to do for people to connect and talk about these things, it actually makes no difference to diversity of hiring because you cannot remove your unconscious biases. That's the reality of it being unconscious. Now, Bob, you mentioned that your model sort of does away with the need for a CV. Do you think the CV is dead? I really hope so because, you know, I think there's so much research, you know, published in Harvard and elsewhere that really what is a CV? It's a record of your achievements and the research that's been done shows that past performance is not a predictor of future and the CV makes it very easy for us to be engaging in like-for-like hiring. You know, I know when I was at a consulting firm and you had these young grads who were doing CV screening, you know, they would look for people that went to the same schools or the same colleges as them because that's the only thing that you can really see on a CV. You know, you don't really get to see the character of a human being. And that is what organisations are really looking for because roles are kind of out of date within 12 months. You know, your job title doesn't mean anything these days. And for many roles, there are no degrees that obviously link to that. You know, it's not about medicine and law and, uh, and commerce. It's about product managers and agile coaches. Um, and you might come from any one, you know, or, or 20 different backgrounds. Um, and then in the US, 25% of people don't get college degrees. So how do you, how do you reach that talent? So I think what technology allows you to do is to really democratise opportunity. You know, there are 2 billion workers in the world. So for organisations to say that they can't find talent, I think they just haven't found the right technology that helps them, you know, reach that talent in a, in a cost-effective way. And again, I think that's where AI can be a real help to, to those businesses. So Charles, as the CEO of the Recruitment Consulting and Staffing Association, what do you think? Is the CV dead? Yeah, look, I would agree. I, I would hope so. Certainly uh, professional recruitment and staffing consultants understand that the CV, as was uh, articulated by Barb, is just a really an outline of what you've done in the past. And remembering that a CV, of course, is created by the applicant themselves. So is all the relevant information uh, required to make the right hire or the best hire actually provided there? No, it's not. So the more that we can actually look at performance and uh, behaviour and uh, ensuring that we get the right fit through discussion, the better. And if AI makes that easier, simpler, more efficient, then we would certainly welcome that. And Andreas, what do you think? So I, I have a different view on that. I think the CV is a crucial piece of information and it is a very important piece. Let me give you an example. If I put myself in the shoes of my son, I mean, he's 11, things may change, but he wants to become a biologist. So, and he asked me, what do I have to do to become a biologist? I tell him, well, you'd be good in school, you pay attention in your science classes, you go to uni, you do a bachelor degree in biology, make an internship, you read and read about certain things. And all of that builds a CV which should give him a should give him a good position and an idea what it takes to become a biologist. If he knows that in the end, for him to become a biologist, actually, it depends on some sort of assessment where the criteria are not transparent, that will create a lot of anxiety. And it may make things more difficult for him to do a lot of investment to become a biologist. 
crucially, I think this level of anxiety and uncertainty, again, correlates with who you are. We know that women don't like large amounts of uncertainty in this process. We know that racial minorities shy away from uncertain environments. So I think it's crucial that we minimize these uncertainties. And the CV is one way to do that. In the CV, you provide signals and what you have achieved, you have shown grit to get a university degree. All of that should proxy your capability to do a certain job. That doesn't mean we should only rely on the CV by all means. I think where AI comes in handy is as a complementary set of information that is given to recruiters. It's really complementary. It's not a substitute. I don't think you, you should forget about the CV. It's a complement. It gets away, it, it avoids certain kind of biases rather easily. Let me give you an example. When I look for a postdoc for myself and I get a list of 100 candidates, I go from top to bottom, I don't have the same level of attention for all because I start fresh and I'm at the end of the list, I'm tired. That's not a problem for AI. Right? So there are lots of things that AI has a comparative advantage on, but I think it's really important to view it as a complementary assessment tool. And then the next question really is, how do we make it as complementary as possible? This goes back to the interface between AI and humans. So how does the human recruiter use that information he gets from the AI? Does he blindly rely on it? Does he take it as a complementary piece? How does it affect his or her choice? I think that's a really important area to look at. So, lo sorry, that's a long answer, but the short answer is I, I don't hope we abandon the CV. I think the CV is a, is a proxy for advantage, not for talent. And I think, Andres, I would, I would sort of say, really, is that not a very small group of roles where there is, there is a very specific set of requirements to do the role. Um, you're talking about sort of real technical expertise, but when you look at the vast majority of roles on LinkedIn or Seek, you know, I would argue that the CV is not the right signals to look at to see whether someone is capable to do that role. So I worry about the cycle of advantage that we see uh, in a CV, and uh, that's that's kind of my motivation to, to have it um, removed from other than very technical roles where those requirements are a prerequisite. And Charles, finally to you, looking into your crystal ball, what do you think the future of recruitment looks like with these new AI tools on hand? I think we'll see greater fairness. I think we'll see a larger talent pool. But there's no question that individuals want a more consistent experience when it comes to applying for jobs and the process. They want greater feedback and information they want efficiency in that process so they can continue on with their lives and they want a degree of confidence that when they're applying for one role, they will be considered in the same way as they might for another role uh, with all the, I guess, relevant considerations particular to that role. So if we talk about efficiency, speed, confidence uh, and consistency and increasing the talent pool for all, regardless of age, gender, disability or ability, then I think it's highly encouraging. Uh, I do go back to my point, however, that because of the barrier or lack of a barrier to entry at the moment, there's a lot of work to be done to ensure that all AI is good AI. 
And my concern a little here is that uh, with a, a large number of entrants in this field, uh, you know, with a startup culture, we have to make sure that it's easy for buyers and users of AI to actually use the right AI. And that's no mean feat, Lisa. Thanks again to my guests, Charles Cameron, CEO of the Recruitment Consulting and Staffing Association, Barb Hyman, CEO of Predictive Hire, and Professor Andreas Leibrandt, Monash University. This Working Life is produced by the very human Zoe Ferguson. I'm Lisa Leong, and until next time, love your work. And if you want to hear more interesting conversations about new technologies and responses to rapid change, then check out RN's Future Tense and download this show programs. You can find them on the ABC Listen app, online, and wherever you get your podcasts. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio, and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.